0: Welcome back to the Rebel Ed Podcast. I'm Jackson Kane, and I'm alongside Connor Salmons for the 10th episode of this show. Before we start this week's one and only interview, here's Connor to give you an overview of the homecoming spirit days that took place this week. First off, we would like to give a huge congratulations
1: to the junior high Lady Rebel basketball team for their undefeated season after winning the league tournament last night. For this week's spirit days, Monday was Zoom Day, Tuesday was Twin Day, Wednesday was Jersey Day, Thursday was Adam Sandler Day, and today is Rebel Day. This year's girls candidates are Hallie Mears, Allie Granados, and Alexis Saib. And for the boys, we have Keegan Lowen, George Lupercio,
0: and Dalton Winfrey. For today's one and only interview, we are joined by an alumni at South Gray High School, a former Kansas State Senator, and now a farmer in Southwest Kansas, Garrett Love. I think the best way to get this interview underway is to go
1: back to your high school years at South Gray. You were a straight A student that played four different sports. You graduated at the top of your class. How are you able to keep the show, ro- show rolling with everything you had going on?
2: Well, first off guys, thanks for having me on. And, and thanks for your work on this podcast and, and to your brothers and getting it started. Uh, such a great thing for our community, you know, where you don't have a regular radio radio station or news segment that, you know, I think I've listened to every single episode over the last few years. And so it's an honor to join you guys, honor to be here. And I guess that first question, I think for me, the biggest thing was being strategic with my time, you know, to do a lot of things. You can't really waste a lot of it. And that's kind of been a consistent, you know, then as you get older, you know, you're, as you have kids, you get married and, um, full-time jobs and careers, it's, it's going to be that same way. But that's that's kind of how I treated it. I did want to be involved in a lot of things in high school and was, um, so not wasting a lot of time very often. Every once in a while, it's fine.
0: All right. So with time management, how are you able to manage your time after practice, considering that I'm sure you had a lot of homework, and every season you just are full of sports? Yeah, I I think
2: you just, and, and, and in addition to that, after practice, you know, I looked at it as if I if I did want to do the best that I could, you're putting in time in that sport after that practice as well. So, you know, you're home, you're seeing your family, eating and you're working on on whatever subject areas and, you know, papers you got left and, and going to bed and getting back at it. Yeah.
0: So what were the, some of the accolades you received during high school? Because you were a part of a pretty decent class back in the day.
2: Yeah, I, I did have a great class. Um you know on the individual side uh probably the biggest honor for me was being named the top scholar athlete in the state uh winning the kansas wendy's high school heisman just because i you know valued and prioritized you know my education and and athletics and so that 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 meant a lot you know being recognized in that way but but really as far as accolades go the biggest and most special uh, memories and experiences and, and, and accolades are, are what you do as a team because like you mentioned I had a great class and people that went to high school with me that I grew up with and having the chance like I think in football we we went one game for the state championship game which at that point was the furthest south grade ever gone you know up till a decade or so ago there with coach Blotner and coach Salmon's team that went to the state championship um scholars bowl who we went to the state I think for the first time with Mrs. Williams first or second time and I think got fifth place which we spent a lot we invested a lot into that some of us same guys that you know were playing football and basketball uh, basketball had a good run had an undefeated uh, regular season and ended up kind of having a disappointing upset in the first round of state my senior year which we hadn't been to state in about a decade there and that I feel like we kind of led the way for opening the door to like you know the all the state runs we've had since then and which has been I mean I Not really, but obviously, you know, sometimes you tell yourself that, but we've had such a special tradition with Coach Applegate, and, and, uh, you know, we had that. That was a fun, fun uh, time. My sophomore and junior year, we actually had really good teams as well in both those years, so we won, like, four postseason games. It was set up a little different back then, and in the sub-state championship, we had to play Hanston both times, which Connor knows about Hanston. His dad went to Hanston, and uh, then then, uh, we played them, and lost to them both times we were up late and lost and they went on in one state both those years so you know that was a tough thing but that's part of it you have adversities in high school like you do throughout life and overcoming them is good mr lowen pulled me into forensics we had a pretty good league forensics championship uh, streak going there i wasn't very good at it but i helped get a few points you know and a good track run with Coach what, we,
0: what was your event in forensics i did extemp Oh yeah, so perfect for you, really. Well, it was. I I don't know that in that one I put
2: as much time as I should have in it, but you know, it was it was a good it was a good one for me. You know that I could do the best at, but I I wasn't that great at it. What yeah. did you run in track? I did the 800, four by eight javelin, and we did. We, we had three teams that that placed in the four x eight. I know you're a four x eight Anner guy too, yeah. um, and. Uh, and so that was, and that was fun. We didn't have near the track teams that we've had over the last decade. I credit a lot of that to Coach Blatner, his athleticism and skill development with, uh, with our youth. I mean, you're really seeing that you know, in this last decade, some, some great track teams. And, uh, but we, yeah, we'd, we'd go to state and had some great memories there. So what was your favorite sport in high school then? I, I always loved basketball. I grew up loving it, and, and, uh, but, but I liked football too. So cross, I forgot to was cross country. We, we did win two state cross country championships my junior and senior year. And, you know, I didn't love running, but same thing. The team, you know, we had a good team, good guys, and that was fun too. So it was a, uh, but yeah, I didn't love running as much, but, but I liked to compete. And I knew it kept me in good shape for
0: the other sports. Yeah. And yeah, you mentioned earlier about how the, you graduated in 2006, right? Yep. Well, that class was like really <clears throat> the first class that really led South Gray into the championship phase we had. like. 2007, 2008, seemed like every sport we played, we were winning the state championship. Well, I think we went back-to-back that year or whatever. Then we had Clyde Reger. I don't know how many rings he graduated with.
2: But a lot. Clyde yeah. was a great great athlete, also a great student, very sharp. You know, he's a um, geologist um, and doing doing great. But yep. Yeah, great family. His, his big brother was Kirk Reger, who was a couple years older than me, and he was a tremendous athlete as well yep. and, and student.
0: So then – What advice do you have for students right now at South Korea, whether it be sports advice, academics advice, anything along the lines of that?
2: You know, we're all created differently. We're all made differently, and that's a good thing. We all have different gifts and abilities and talents. Um, And trying to find what you're passionate about. You know, some of those gifts and things that that uh, you care a lot about and want to, you know, take to the next level. Like in education and your studies, find those areas that you know you want to engage in further find opinion leaders in those areas, put in extra time if it's in that, if it's in you know, the trades, if it's a, you, know, you want to be a great welder, <clears throat> put time into it to do that. You know, if you want to uh, be great at basketball, it's not about just going to practice. It's what you do outside of the season. It's, it's what you do after practice. It's individual workouts. It's honing in on your shot, your dribbling, your post moves, right? It's all about that extra time to take yourself to the next level. Jackson, you're, you know, I remember you golfing as like a little kid, right? Like you were a better golfer, probably six years old, seven years old than I am right now. And, uh, that, that's how you take things to the next level is by, is by putting that time in. So finding that, honing in on it and, uh, getting after it.
0: All right. Well, that is great advice. I think everybody at South Korea should take. That is. Um, with that being said, how did you find your interest in like business and law and kind of how
2: you know, I loved history and government, uh, you know, studying about wars and leadership and our country's history when I was younger. Uh, so, that I think happened at that point in time uh, with law. And then, a business I think was more as I got to college. I um, kind of started seeing problems, trying to fix them, and in that case, uh, in a market sort of setting. And it was people were complaining about how much you're paying for their textbooks. And so I was like, well, I can get these books. The online market was just starting to emerge. I, said, I can get these and I'm gonna sell everybody their books for 15% less than the bookstore. Cause I was saying, well, I've got a big margin here still. They're saving 15%. I save students, you know, and I, so I started to love book sales. And I just started to really enjoy the concept of business. I did that at Washburn, expanded it out to K-State, uh, another small university in Missouri where I had franchises and we were able to save students a ton of money learn about business, really take the concepts we were learning in the classroom of uh, management, and marketing, economics, finance, and and applying them. And and that's what business is, seeing a need, trying to fill it, right? Seeing a problem, trying to fix it. And that's where my interest came. And that was about my sophomore year at college, into my freshman year.
0: So at what point in high school did you decide on the major that that you uh, that you went with?
2: You know, the the business Major, which I, I actually kind of had that going in. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I loved math. I had a couple of phenomenal math teachers, with Mrs. Watkins in junior high and and uh, Mrs. Crump in high school um, that that helped me in that direction. And, and you got a
0: 36 on your math ACT, right?
2: <laughs> I I did. I wow. did. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It was. I, I loved it. You know, it was. It was. It came well, and I worked. You know, I worked at it, and and I had those great teachers. I mean, it was. I couldn't have done it without them. Uh, that's why Mrs. Watkins coming back and helping our school so much. Is, she's actually
0: so, uh, right next door right now. She's she subbing. Right? Yeah, she, subbing. Yeah, she can she, never get out of the school she, She's
2: such a special part of this community, an integral part of our success in so many ways, uh, But, and I would say in mine for sure. But business has a great math side to it in terms of uh, the finance and the numbers. And so I kind of saw that um, as I was – deciding what school to go to there were some really good scholarships in the business school at washburn that i was able to get and so that came into play on that i switched to actuarial science which is kind of running the numbers to assess risk for insurance companies for a while which was much much more advanced math class which i was playing basketball and i started having to take advanced calculus at you know 8 a.m i didn't like you know 7 8 a.m every morning five days a week and and i kind of saw Boy, I think I'm more into the business than the actuarial side. So I switched a couple times. I finished up on uh, majoring in management, minored in economics and finance. Um, and that was a better fit for me, you know, because I didn't want to be an actuary. And I kind of figured that out. You kind of sit in a cubicle just running those numbers. I wanted – I liked the business side of things. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: That's what I'm interested in currently is business and finance. And uh, – or majoring in finance and then having my minor in economics. So did you really like those classes throughout?
2: I I loved them. I loved them. And, and taking and having that business, which, you know, I know you've already got experience at, you know, with a small business, like really helps you to, and during those classes to look at whether it's accounting, whether it's marketing at sales, advertising, you know, to, to be like, how can I apply this in the real world? Instead of just being like, Oh, this is just another, you know, chapter or another thing to study. Like, how can I take this and, do something with it. And sometimes that's the problem in education is if you can't apply it, you don't care about it, you're not passionate about it, you don't think it matters. And some of the things kind of, you know, don't have as much real-world application. Well, that for sure did. Yeah.
1: Interesting. So you also played basketball at Washburn. So what were some of the biggest changes that you noticed from playing at a high school team
2: from playing on a D2 college team? Well, um I think I had two pretty quick changes as far as during the game. My first two ever games, uh, which I was a K State fan, walked into Bramlage. We just had got a new coach, Bob Huggins, the head coach at West Virginia right now. And my I had friends and people I knew in the stands, and everyone was excited about the new era of K State basketball. And Washburn took them to triple overtime, so I remember having some mixed emotions there. But and then going into Allen Fieldhouse the very next week uh, with whatever seventeen thousand people, that's a little different when you're used to playing, you know, and kind of high school gyms uh in terms of the the stage and the pressure but uh even bigger than that my roommate was seven foot tall uh so when I moved in and I was like man I used to be pretty big at six four and I'm not big anymore and everybody was so in that case bigger although I was faster than him but most of the guys you know that are then six three six four six five six two and for sure the guys that are the smaller guards they're very fast very strong the pace is very fast you kind of sometimes in high school think oh i can kind of you know jog back on this possession or that possession every possession is sprinting as hard as you can you know that was one of the biggest things i took from it the difference in terms of because you got to get in position because everybody's a threat everybody can score and you've got to get back and then also offensively get into position on the other end and and i think uh the yukon's women's coach uh you know he said you know the difference between the good players and the great players are the great players never get tired, right? And to be great, to never get tired, that goes back to what we talked about earlier, is that conditioning, that extra time, that ability to to not start breathing hard at the end of the game. Because if you drop off, if you're, you know, your your team drops off, right? So that to me, that was a big difference.
0: How did that recruiting process go throughout high school? Were there people that came out to scout you, and then you finally secured the position after a talk, after a game, or how did that work?
2: Yeah, I think. Uh, had a uh, unique process um coach Applegate still almost laughs about it but uh Princeton University you know in the Ivy League D one, want the Ivy League you know was recruiting and he he was telling he didn't know if I was a, a D1 athlete which you know high level D1 I would say I was not but uh in the Ivy League they have they have that's part of their recruiting process you you can only have so many kids with certain ACTs and they have a scale right so if you can, if you're competitive and you're you have a higher end uh, test scores, that makes it to where you have a higher chance of being selected. They can only have a couple players, like say under a. Uh, I mean, they can they had to have, and if you have more players on the top end, you could have maybe one or two more on the lower end. But everybody's got great scores at those schools. Um, so I'd have a couple of JUCOs that were talking to me about playing quarterback for them. Played quarterback in high school, and you know I loved playing quarterback, but I also knew that. You know, I liked basketball more. Um, Talked to Washburn. Emporia State had actually recruited me before Washburn. Um, Some NAIA's like Mid America and friends I was very interested in had friends going there, and but at the end of the day, uh, visited Washburn and was able to. uh, I mean, I basically was able to get paid every year to go to school there uh, between the scholarships, academically, um, athletically, regionally, and and it made it. And I loved the campus had a couple friends that were there and and, uh, and actually one of those scholarships uh, was a regional one, it's called the Up scholarship and at that point in time I think it was like $2500 just for being in Gray County and having above a 2.0 GPA this year they're raising that to a $5,000 annual scholarship which you know already takes a pretty good chunk off of you know off of tuition so anyway that, that
0: was kinda what went into that. Oh yeah and if you didn't play sports <laughs> Would you have gone to Princeton or some of those Ivy League schools if you had the chance? Like, did you even apply to some of those schools? I think, I think I just knew I was going to play. I, oh. I mean, at that point, and I,
2: I, don't know that that was a good decision. You know, I, I loved K State and could have seen. I think that's probably where I would have gone if I wasn't. But I just in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to, going to play somewhere. I mean, I, I just don't think I really even ran not, and I should have. You know, there's other good options, and I did have a good. Um, opportunity there at K State, but I, uh, um, but I, I just wanted to play. Yeah. I thought I still, you yeah. know, but I didn't need to. But it, it felt that way at the time. Yeah.
1: So, what are your best skills and attributes to your team at Washburn?
2: My best skills and attributes. Yeah. Well, uh, um, I was a good. I went from feeling like I was a, you know, a scorer and. Person that kind of helped lead the team in terms of points and rebounds and things like that. To being like uh, I was a good cheerleader on the bench, um, so I was a good fan, you know. No, but I, I saw you could have leadership in other ways. You know, you didn't have to be the person scoring all the points, you're getting all the rebounds to help your team. And 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 I took that challenge on. Uh, I saw myself being a guy that it was going to take three or four years to to be ready to um, start seeing the court more. And I wanted to help my teammates. You know whether that was with their schoolwork. We had a lot of guys that were very athletic, um, that kind of needed a little more focus and drive on their academics, and I saw that as an area I could help. Um, I saw working out with them individually, you know, which both was helping me and helping them, and seeing some of these guys come along. Coach Shipman still to this day, we had one guy that just really broke out that looked like he was going to be off the team, and by his last year, he was all conference, and he's still, you know is very, acts very appreciative of that, but, but individually it was, I, you know, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't, a, um, athletic enough or, you know, at that level at that point. Uh, and I wouldn't have probably been until year four, you know, year five. How many years did you play? For? I ended up playing three years and then I was a assistant my last year because I started to get more of an interest in, in government. Um, and I actually ended up running for student body president uh, actually good story with that first thing I did when I just kind of thought I can help my university make it better when I leave than when I got here I thought I need a good vice president and so I looked around I said this person loves Washburn very outgoing they're very good looking and I thought, this is this is a big good vice president here and and so I asked her uh, she told me no. I asked her another time. She's like, I just don't think I'm ready to be a student body vice president. And she said no again. But I asked her one more time, she said yes. And I was glad that when I asked her to marry me, she said yes the first time. And that was <laughs> Kaylee. So and, and we were we were just great friends at the time. And I was like, Kaylee, you'd be great. And we wanted to really help kinda get, you know, we had a lot of ideas. And did plans. she go to South Gray? She did not. She went she was from southeast Kansas, uh fortunately from a small school as well, Flint Hills High School, which is kinda east of El Dorado. So being from a small school, I think helps her to, to uh, kind of connect with you know another small school, small town community.
0: And was she playing any sports in college?
2: She could have. I mean, she was a top two or three fastest in the 100 meter dash, 200 meter dash, and and uh, a lot faster than me. I don't think I want to race her that bad. Uh, but she and she was a good basketball, volleyball player. You know, I think first team all state basketball, volleyball, and but she kind of got. we kind of. I decided hey, I'm for sure going to play. She at some point. She'd lost a grandparent, was going through one of those hard times, just was like, I, I'm done. You know, I'm burnt out from be playing and being pushed. And I'm done playing. She could have, for sure, played. Probably, I mean, But she decided not to, She decided to go to Washburn. She also was interested in, in uh, uh, pre-law side of things and, and went to a pre-law camp up there. And same thing as me, didn't have that many friends or know that many people that went there, but just loved the university, fell in love with it. And, and uh, so that brought us both there at the same time. Oh yeah,
1: I think I remember seeing one of your guys' videos that you played at youth group from when you were campaigning for. <laughs> yeah, body. yeah,
2: that that uh, that I keep kind of wanting those things to disappear. It's kind of funny, but it is a different <laughs> stage in life. And you know, now that was 13 years ago. You know, and and those are still fun memories that we look back on and kind of shared together, even if it was in a different sort of way. You know, that that time in life.
0: Yeah. Speaking of fun memories, you talked about earlier about playing in Allen Fieldhouse and Bramlage. Um, do you have any memories or funny moments that you had on the court, or just memories you had with your team? Yeah, I mean, well, like like the K
2: State game. It was like, you know, I was sitting there as a K State fan and also a Washburn fan and player, and like, man, we were, you know, I was excited to be there in that environment, having some of my friends that went to K State sitting there, and and everyone being so excited for this this new time and and uh just kind of the mixed those mixed emotions i think of watching it like we we could have won the game we had shots at the end of regulation shot at the end of the first overtime um and so that you know that was a neat deal alan fieldhouse i'd say uh was scoring in there and and uh, getting to play against the national championship team uh, my senior year uh we actually ended up holding an event at washburn kaylee really spearheaded it, but we brought Dick Vitale to campus, which is a, you know, as you guys all know who Dick Vitale is, uh, she had actually known Dick Vitale previously through a couple things with her um, at the Final Four, actually, and then we were able to end up attracting, with Dick Vitale, we were able to attract Bill Self, Frank Martin, K-State's coach at the time, who really got the program going, um, along with a lot of other, some chiefs and um, an American Survivor winner, uh, the contest winner, a bunch of people that came in there and got the chance to introduce uh, Coach Self and I. I remember before the Self before Vital spoke and I apologized to him because that year they when they won the national championship they always talked about how they allowed only seventy points a game or something. I said if it were not for my two points at the end of that game, you know during <laughs> scrub time against you guys because it was a regular season game that year that we played and they beat us by twenty five but uh, then they he would have only allowed. you know, so it'd have been below 70 or something like that. But he's and and we've been able to, you know, he's stay in touch uh, over the years. Some also, but, you know, it was was just pretty fun, you know, to be in there and be in those locker rooms and know the history and tradition. And and, you know, as a little town, Kansas kid, uh, you you don't really kind of dream of that. Not on that side of it, but uh, you do dream of getting to play places like that. We also I played at the University of Hawaii. We played UNLV in Vegas three times and, and on those courts. And, you know, that's pretty, pretty special. Did yeah. you
1: guys like when you were playing in Hawaii, did your team always get to go out and do fun things? Or yeah. Like how scicing? is that like
2: we, we did a lot of my teammates didn't swim. Um, so, but a couple of them did. And, uh, we went and we did some surfing, went to Pearl Harbor, you know, it's all, a, and very, you know, emotional place, especially, you know, I had my interest in history and government and I, you know, really studied that. Uh, when I was younger, and and uh, so getting that, I actually was always there. That, that trip before Christmas, um, I was always it was my birthday around right before December seventeenth, and so we were there for my birthday one of the years. So it was, it was really fun. So we got to do different things, play basketball, and and uh, learn and do some surfing.
0: That'd be super cool. You talked about earlier about the Final Four. Uh, is it your family tradition to go to a Final Four every year? It
2: It is actually it was Kaylee's tradition. So oh. my second, biz, her family's her grandparents, actually, that's how the Dick Vitale connection happened was when her grandpa um, uh, had passed away. Her grandma, they were huge Dick Vitale fans and Dick had invited them to um, his gala, or, or, which was for um, raises money in the fight against cancer. And I think that's how that connection started, but they'd gone, I think about every year since the eighties. Well, Kaylee had gone once or twice when she was like in college and she went to the 2008 national championship for KU and she actually tried to get me to go which I was like I'm not driving down there you know whatever time it was and and it's KU but uh she uh so I one of my second businesses in college was was uh kind of the beginning of buying and selling tickets right for events like I I remember as a college kid in my dorm room there was this ACDC concert that came out and Actually, one of my teachers, uh, Mr. Staub, great teacher, great friend. He now is in northeast Kansas. I think he might – we kind of got into it together a little bit, and this ACDC concert came out where every ticket was 80 bucks, And so you bought, you got on at this certain time, you bought them, which is still kind of like that today, but it was kind of starting at that point. I think I remember the first – one of the earlier times I did it, I bought two of these tickets for 80 bucks each and sold them for, like, $2,000, which for a 19- or 20-year-old, like, that was – that was really something, you know. So I'd gotten into that, and I didn't do it a lot, but I would schedule my classes sometimes around, oh, this 10 a.m. release time, or this 9 a.m. release time, and do a little of it to, you know, not a lot, but a little bit. And so I started buying sports tickets, and that year I had bought in the Final Four tickets for the second time, but my thought was not to go. My thought was because I could sell those tickets, you know, and make some money to uh, as a 21-year-old. But Kaylee convinced me, it was right after we got married, she's like, Garrett, if a Kansas team makes it, we should go, and at that point in time, Wichita State was really competitive. You know, Ron Baker was in his about freshman year. I think they might have won the NIT that year. K-State was an Elite Eight type team, and uh, and KU was obviously really good. And uh, sure enough, Wichita State, uh, which 2000, no, yeah, it was Wichita State. Well, anyways, KU and Wichita State made it back to back. And after that, we were kind of all hooked. I mean, we love basketball, love sports, and uh, so we went those two years. And then it almost became like we went the first time when one of those two teams weren't there, and it was almost even more fun. But you know, if you go last minute, it's very expensive. But if you kind of do it in the lottery early, tickets are like sixty bucks a game. Yeah, you're a long ways from the court, but pretty affordable. You know, fifty or sixty bucks to watch three of the top basketball games in the country. Um, so yeah, that's so it's become a tradition. It's been now. Twelve years in a row.
0: Yeah, you always had a passion for basketball. Then you even started uh, basketball camps at South Gray. How were you able to get that like underway? Because Ron Baker is out here. We we got some NBA players um, that are now in the NBA now. But.
2: Yeah, it's it's that's been a neat thing. I mean, I I always look at uh, you know Coach Shipman had kind of started some of those camps, and and one of the I guess. One of my best friends now is Colin Klein. He's the offensive coordinator at K-State for football team. And he was figuring out he was, he had got signed as a free agent after his senior year. He was a Heisman Trophy finalist. And, and I kind of said, Colin, let's run some camps around the state. You know, kids would love it. You know, you, I mean, he's a great role model, tremendous person. And I said, It'd be good to get you out and about. And I said, I'll help you with it. And at that point in time, I had been in the legislature, but I had some summers summertime to do it. And so we did it. We do it around the state, had thousands of kids that, you know, four or five locations. And so then I kind of, I think, I think then uh, KU had a National Player of the Year, Frank Mason, which we did around the state. And uh, Ron Baker, uh, as you know, we all know, a huge role model for any Western Kansas. And Fred Van Bleet, who was a, you know, is an NBA All Star, right? So I did those kind of for them, managed their camps as kind of a, something that's fun that we enjoyed. Uh, and at some point in time, to Coach Chipman into kind of adding us as a partial stop kind of on his tour and to get the current players, which, like you said, we've had many NBA players um, and many of the great college basketball players, well, some of the great college basketball players of all time come through our little South Gray High School gym, which I think is pretty cool, you know, for keeping people excited about the program and, and basketball and, you know, generating that interest and engagement. Yeah, you're not going to walk away from that two hours with just way more skills because like we talked about earlier that thought one or two hours that changes that but it does get you some more excitement and engagement within a program and and that's one of the things that has made the South Gray program strong not not the camps but the uh, long-term I guess engagement you know mm-hmm. kids investing in it early right playing a lot of basketball from a young age I mean I, I I can remember Connor when he was about this big, you know. In the yeah, like,
0: I remember going to those camps. They're always too. a lot of fun. Yeah. I remember um, I finished my third grade basketball season, and that summer I went and I took my third grade basketball shoes, and I had every player assigned them. And I think to this day, every one of those players played in the NBA. Yeah. So
2: <laughs> a couple of those years, it was a tremendous group. And it'd be five guys. I mean, that's it's hard to get five yeah. guys into one place.
0: Yeah, Ron Baker was like my hero back in the day. Yeah. He's like, from scott city to all the way to the nba to new york Knicks, that's, i'm like it's crazy that's
2: pretty it is crazy and and he's a good guy too just very down to earth and that's what you kind of find these guys aren't aren't you know they're they're normal people too
0: yep so after graduating from washburn you went with your bachelor's why did you decide to go on and get your master's
2: yeah i'd say my wife uh Kay- kaylee really pushed and she did it at the same time. We both got our MBAs. Um, mine with an emphasis in leadership, and hers with an emphasis in marketing. Um, but she she pushed for that. Um, but but I did see the value in really honing in on um, leadership, management, finance, accounting. You know, as moving forward, uh, and I did enjoy those concepts and wanted to further develop them. And and uh, I saw it as a good program and opportunity, but. If it weren't for kaylee pushing for that and that was before we had kids so it was a really good time to do that
0: did she not push you enough to go on to get your doctorate?
2: <laughs> uh, no i don't think she'd be able to do that <laughs> but i do have i have some a lot of relatives that always pushed for you know for law school for a jurist doctorate but uh that and they still do and i'm like i'm not we're not doing that now so i'm a little little past that but but uh but yeah no she didn't she didn't push for that um,
0: what school did you get your master's from um, Fort
2: Hayes Fort Hayes State University All right it was a great school, great program.
0: So at what point in your schooling
1: did you so- decide that you really wanted to get into politics
2: you know it was in Topeka at Washburn when I had been serving the university we had been coming out of the 2009 recession you guys probably don't remember that very well you weren't very old no. but uh, it was it was a hard time um, for the economy, for our state for country. And saw so a lot of problems in our government, in our state, and I interned. I said, "I'll intern at the Capitol." Uh, we had a program at Washburn where you could do that for one year credits. I did that. I interned actually for Scott Schwab, who was, our, who was our current Secretary of the State at the time. He was um, he was just a state rep from Olathe, and I interned. I watched. I learned. I said, "Man, we've got more problems than I thought we had." Um, our our I saw some issues, you know, I had with our existing representative. He'd actually been the Speaker of the House, you know, which is the top person in the House. He'd been in for 26 years. And I kind of was like, boy, I think I can, you know, talk, talk about seeing problems and fixing them, trying to improve your community, improve your school, improve your state, you know, whatever it is you're at. And I saw, I thought I could do that. And I think I was young enough that I didn't realize what I was doing was considered, you know, like something you didn't do in politi- in terms of uh, taking on... Someone like that, you know, who'd been in the Speaker House and been there, you know, he'd been in the legislature longer I'd been alive at that point in time. So so that's kind of when that happened, though. It was my senior year at Washburn. Mm. Oh, yeah.
0: So what was your first step that you took when you decided that you wanted to run for office?
2: You know, I don't know if this is the first step when I decided, but as I was deciding, my first step was to try to engage and talk to leaders and people kind of throughout our district, um, which that district included several counties out here in southwest Kansas, and, to find out if that's something that you know they agreed with me on and if there was support there for for taking that step and ultimately it felt like there was and so jumped in
0: all right and then how did you start advertising because i'm considering that advertising is a lot different than what it is today i mean like when when uh people start to run again it seems like every ad i have on youtube is about why you should vote for this person so how did how did you do it
2: we were at a unique time in terms of Changing dynamics of social media, YouTube, and content people were taking in, and so. Uh, but we did do a lot of social media. I think people made a big deal about it at the time because uh, I remember there was an article ran after the cycle where I think maybe we'd had more Twitter or Facebook followers than uh, at least one or two of the governor candidates did. You know, because that that was when that growth was happening, and I, you know, had a younger audience. You know that and that was kind of before you would have seen as many older adults on social media. Um, but yeah, we were on YouTube. Um, and some, so advertisement was there and there, you got some free value in terms of getting that around. Um, but at the same time, and I'd still say now to this day, like your print, your mailers, your radio, all that stuff's very important. But I, I just knew I was going to get outspent probably like a hundred thousand to I mean, my goal, I think was, Twelve or fifteen thousand dollars, which I felt was enough to get it out my my word message out there, along with hitting every door I could. Like that's the best kind of advertising there is, right? Mm-hmm. Me coming face to face with you, a voter, and asking for your vote and talking to you about issues, and and so we were willing to work hard and had a lot of other people that came and helped us, and that was the best advertising. But and we did end up about at that point, probably twelve fifteen thousand, we could spend on more traditional advertising. You know, some social media, some viral. Kind of organic value there, and and that's kind of what we did. Yeah, yeah.
1: I remember going, helping my grandpa go door to door, campaigning while he was running.
2: But yeah, I helped I helped your grandpa do some campaigning too. He's a great guy. <laughs> Thanks. I saw him just a few days ago.
0: Yep. I'm oh yeah. What sure, yeah. What were you doing in Topeka? Um, yeah, we tried to get this interview Tuesday, but you were like, I have to go to Topeka. Um, So I guess, you know, now out of
2: out of politics directly, still want to stay involved um, and uh, active with Farm Bureau, you know, which represents farmers and ranchers um, across the state and also on water issues. Um, So was in there for some meetings on those topics. And then also just I just try to stay connected with like our Speaker of the House is a very good friend of mine, the Speaker of the House now and and, uh, other legislators and leaders. So that's that's what we were doing. Right. So what is election night like? You know, it's it's a unique time because, like, I feel like for me there was a great level of peace when I was done because I did feel like, man, I left it all out on the court, right? That's how you want to approach a basketball game or football game. You want to feel like I did everything I could, you know, to to give it my all. And, and when you have a bad one to finish, that's, that's why that kind of stinks sometimes. But with the election, it felt like, man, we worked hard. We put a lot of time in, you know. During this summer, and, and uh, we felt like we ran a good campaign. You take challenges on, just like you have adversities, like we talked about, you know, in high school, right? And now, in how you handle those, I think is really important. Um, the two things I say you can always control is your attitude and your effort in those difficult times, and keeping your head up, not giving up. You know, when those adversities strike, is is very important for throughout your life. And we had those happen where you kind of could give up, but we didn't. And so you have that peace because it's like at about seven o'clock you're like, man, I can't call anybody else. I can't get anyone else to try to show up to the polls. So it's you know it's in God's hands now. You know it's all it's out of your control. So you did what you did, and now you get to sit back. So it's there's peace, but it's also just there's there's some there's some stress and nervousness too because of just being like, boy, this is really going to impact my life. You know, for the next whatever uh, several years, decade, and so. I think you have them at both, but it's it's a unique time, but i I felt like it was more peace than the nervousness, even if I didn't know what was going to happen.
0: Does someone call you after the election, you know announcing that you're the youngest Kansas state senator um i
2: I did get a lot of calls and and actually that was a unique part of the story and because like as you especially as you win, everybody then is more interested in you. Which, which is one thing that sometimes I don't love about politics. It's like, look, I'm the same person now as when I was an intern last year, as when, you know, I was a farm kid, uh, you know, and at South Gray before that, right? You should value everyone, no matter who they are, no matter what their background, no matter where they're from. Everyone's a value. You should always treat people how you want to be treated, right? And so that shouldn't matter, but it clearly does in politics. So you do get a lot of, you know, people, higher level people, and that that then want to. Get closer to you because of that so yeah you get calls there uh it's on the as far as the age uh, i at that point I, I was elected to the house actually oh. and then our senate seat opened up because and that's when i went through a special election to the senate and at that point in time is when when i was told about uh boy garrett you're the actually someone at the at the capitol said you're the youngest senator in kansas history I, i'd been just I was 22 is just turning Twenty-three, and so I was like, "Wow." Okay.
1: Were there a lot of people that like looked down on you simply
2: because of your age? I think or? there was some of that. Yeah, I. This wasn't really that example, but I was sitting in the Capitol in my office on the first days, and one of the guys who was helping with the building actually he was a janitor. That I think he he was like, "Young man, who are you interning for this year?" And uh, I'm like, "Well, it's kind of my office now here, but uh, <laughs> it does seem that way." And sometimes when you're trying to learn a lot, because you realize, man, I'm. I do have some knowledge on some issues, but boy, there's a lot of issues to take on that you hadn't really thought a lot about. And I did not have near the life experience. So some people would look down on you because they kind of just thought, oh, this is just some young guy who thinks he knows it all. And trying to make it clear, I didn't. I didn't know it all. There's a lot I had to learn, a lot I had to, you know, and I wanted to learn. There's people that knew more than I did about every single issue. There still is, right? So taking that perspective, I think, helps because if you come across as a know-it-all, people don't like that
1: so when you were a senator was it an overall uh enjoyable job or was there just a lot of stress around it or
2: it was but you know i mean it was both and when i go back up for you know say like farm bureau or something it's like boy there's things i do miss about it um but there's things i don't you know there's you're kind of you kind of come into a situation where even friends and people like that if they're passionate and and uh issues that are, you know, have people on both sides of it, which there are most issues have people on both sides of it. And most issues have, you know, reasons why people are on both sides of it. Right. And those are strong, and compelling, especially with where someone is at in life. Um, So kind of having some of those and starting to deal with people like, look, not everyone's going to like you. And they might, I didn't take it personally. I mean, I did take it personally. I wouldn't, because someone had a different view than me, I didn't look down on them. Um, I mean, I didn't think less of them as a person because I knew that's where they were at. I was when I was in Topeka. I was talking to Senator David Haley. His uh, he's, his uncle wrote the book *Roots*. Alex Haley. He was his dad was um, the one that introduced Martin Luther King Jr. on his uh, speech he gave at K-State uh, just a few weeks before he died. Uh, great and good guy. Very good friend of mine. We disagreed on most a lot of issues. Politically, he represents the very inner city, Kansas City. I represent rural Southwest Kansas, right? Mm -hmm. So we have different ways to look at things, but we didn't look down on each other. Um, We knew we were both were working our best and cared about our state. And that's how this, you know, talking to him yesterday, it was good to, or whatever day that was, Tuesday, and it was good to catch up. But if you let that get in the way on how you treat someone and not treating them with respect and as a valued person that doesn't mean you need to vote for them that doesn't mean you need to support them but you know
0: is that extremely tough to get over in politics
2: to get over in terms of the those relationships or those um how people look at you or you look at people you think or, yeah yeah i yeah it's a tough thing and and that's what i guess to answer that original question it that is stressful but you know for us though it, that transition still wasn't I mean, there was all those great things about it, and then there's the stressful sides that kind of just made it challenging. But you know ultimately for us, though it was we got in, we just you know we got married right after, and we didn't have any kids for several years, and it changed a lot when he had we had Abby, um, it changed a lot, trying to take a one year old five hours across the state twice a week, and then we were pregnant with Lauren, and it was the same way. it was like, boy, this is you know this is uh. This isn't really working as well. And we didn't want to be separate from each other because I didn't want to be a, you know, not being with my family for half the year, you know. So that that was kind of the biggest challenge, which is still there, right? So even the positive sides of serving and working in the capital and for our state, like you have to look at both ends of the of that spectrum. Same thing you're looking at colleges, right? Mastegis helps you run a cost-benefit analysis. That's the way I look at it, you know, as you look at those different schools. And there's going to be costs and benefits to any decision you make. Yep so
1: throughout your time in politics who were some of the most memorable people
2: you met um you know the ones that sometimes i guess mean the most are the ones you think of as like wow this person makes and has made some really big decisions like our um you know couple presidents president bush president trump uh, mike pompeo i considered to i have a i had a very you know good close relationship with and ended up being united states secretary of state cia director and so who I've just seen a couple times in the last few years, right? So you don't not like you see him very often. Um, knowing the last 40, 50 years of governors, I, I, I think of that as kind of unique opportunity and and of both parties, you know. And you kind of when I first walked into the Capitol as an intern, I remember uh, Derek Schmidt, our Attorney General, you know, was the one in the and I thought he was someone that did not look down on anyone because they were an intern, and I always appreciated that about him. You know, he just ran and lost for governor. Laura Kelly used to come to Washburn and speak when I was a student. She was just a state senator at the time, uh, and I worked with her, served with her on several committees, you know. So, you know, you, having, you know, seen, I guess, back it's, as a reminder, same thing we were talking about athletes, it's like just normal people, and in most of the instances, they, they do want to work hard and do what's best. Everyone just thinks there's different ways to get to what's best. But those are a few, a few of the examples. So,
1: also, in your Twitter Twitter bio and Instagram bio, it says, "Stepping back from politics for now." Are you eventually wanting to get back in, or got a time frame on that, or?
2: Boy, you know, not not a time frame. I just feel like, and that's at that time too. Stepping back as we had those kids, and and, uh, um, just seeing this is a tough stage in life. I think for us to after serving for six or seven years, uh, but we still knew like. Boy, you know, I think we were made and built in a way that that service was a part of who we are, what we did. You know, so Kaylee and I just felt like at some point in time, you know, we we would be open to it again. People every two years are asking us to run for this or that, and um, and we kind of are saying the same thing. It's like, well, this is not the time. This is now. We have four kids, right? And and that's one special thing about this community. You know, I. At that point in time, they wrote, got written in a couple of articles like, boy, you know, Garrett had more money in his campaign, you know, war chest or whatever than anybody had. You know, I did have quite a few contacts, supporters was known, and had worked hard at that in the last six years. I felt like I built up a lot of political capital in terms of the effort. I mean, I made $12,000 a year for three years because that's what I did. And the legislature doesn't pay very much, or maybe it was 20, but somewhere in there. And so I felt like I invested a lot in that. And, uh, but we walked away from it because all of a sudden Abby was close to two, Lauren, Kaylee was pregnant with Lauren. And I asked Kaylee, I'm like, Kaylee, you know, we were coming up for reelection. It was like, you know, we think we both kind of knew this wasn't working probably great in terms of, for our family, which was our, you know, our priority, right? You had to prioritize things like we talked about earlier. And I was like, we can either do maybe some type of higher level Government or statewide type position where you're in one place more often. You know, say you lived in Topeka or corporate thing in Wichita or Kansas City, or or do we want to go? You know, to Montezuma full time. And and I didn't want to take Kaylee to Montezuma if that wasn't in her heart and that wasn't something where she wanted to be because it was a long ways from where she'd grown up. It was. I mean, we're we're out here away but she, Kaylee because of that time period where we were kind of in both places, like she saw. What a special community Montezuma South Gray is! Um, our South Gray schools, and she saw all our teachers, she saw all this community, and uh, and I wanted her to be the one bought in on that. Otherwise, they didn't want to have any regrets. Like, oh, we could be here, we could be there. You know, these bigger schools have this option and that. So her being at that point where she was like, Garrett, I want to I want to raise our kids in Montezuma. You know, it that that meant a lot to me. I. I could have, I think, gone any number of directions there, and and that's one thing too. As you're making decisions as high schoolers, like, you know, those there's different routes that can all be positive ones. You know, if you 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 know work hard at them and keep your heads up and and. But I'm I'm really glad we made this decision to be here full
0: time and raise our kids in these schools. I know your kids are young, but do they have any interests of doing what you did, like Abby? Well, Abby's, Abby's list
2: right now, what she wants to do is a doctor, a nurse, a teacher, an author, an illustrator, a mom. So, so far, politician isn't on that list, which probably isn't a bad thing. You know, uh, I, and Lauren, Grayson's just for sure a farmer. You know, he's, he's definitely, uh, he's, he's all in on that. Um, Lauren, teacher, mom, you know, brings up those things. So, yeah, hard to say, young age. So, we'll, we'll probably find out more later.
0: Outside of politics, what are some of your hobbies?
2: you know right now, being with the kids with the family, uh, sports, we love sports, um, the farm, uh, being involved with our church, the youth group uh, but yeah, anything with the kids is fun like it's just making memories and uh, whether that's different activities going different places, getting in the gym you know it's it's a neat time there's nothing quite like it you know when you get a get out there and, and uh um, watch your kids learning, having fun growing, teaching them.
0: Grayson cracks me up. He is, he is very athletic for his age.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Way more, way more athletic than me. So probably gets it from from his mom, but yeah, he he loves it. And it's just kind of like every kid's a little different. And that's a neat thing. Like we talked about earlier at the beginning of the podcast, it's like everyone's made differently. And that's, that's a special thing. That's a good thing. You know, that, that we all do have different gifts and abilities.
0: Yep. And then also, um, in one of your bios, you know, you're a sports lover. Um, are the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl?
2: You know, I think I think so. I was I was telling someone I saw, you know, that the Eagles are technically favored, but yeah, hard, hard for me to see it not happening. Uh, I think I think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl, but you know, we'll see. What do you guys think?
0: I think they're definitely going to win. Yeah, I'm with the Chiefs. I think it's going to but... be within you know a touchdown or so, but I don't th- I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. But I think they're definitely going to pull away with this one.
2: Yeah. Hope so.
0: So, could you tell us more about your Western
1: Kansas pheasant hunts business, kind of?
2: Yeah, that was one of the businesses that, and as we were figuring out what to do while in the legislature, when we were kind of realizing, oh, fifteen thousand dollars a year is not going to work very good for very long. Kaylee's family had been involved in uh, deer, turkey hunting, guiding in Eastern Kansas, and her dad was like, Gary, you got a lot of resources out here, a lot of wildlife resources. Sometimes we look at our farms as like, you know. This has the potential to grow this much corn or this much wheat, this much milo, and this much productivity. And he was like, you've got a lot of pheasants. You should sell a couple hunts. And I was like, oh, well, that could be a good idea because it would be a way to make some money before the session started and and generate some income and also add value to an operation. You know, some t- to look at. That's an important thing, I think, with farming, to look at ways to create new value. And that was something we saw it was just kind of to gradually start that. And then we've, we now sell – hunts to i think people from all i mean all across the country my last few groups were from a guy from jackson hole and a group of quail hunters from virginia and a guy from florida right you know so to finish out the season so just from all over the place so when did you first get interested
1: in guiding hunts
2: yeah i think from chad and i and i i've enjoyed hunting always a pheasant and quail hunted didn't really deer hunt much but um chad kind of Generated the interest, and I was able to see it as a as a unique business concept that could be good, and, and it does. Like we, you know, we'll spend thousands of dollars with, with the grocery stores and the restaurants, and you know, then also other areas in the community and around the area that that's attracted, not just from my business, but from hunting in general as well. So, uh, but yeah, I'd say uh, for guiding, it'd been about 2012, 13, about 10 years ago.
0: Do you do any hunting outside of Kansas? Like you go on any hunting trips, maybe in like Colorado or so.
2: Um, always look at it, but I actually have. I mean, we look at hog hunting or or in, in there to the draw for elk hunting. But I, you know, I just I've done some some fishing, some different places, but um, but I haven't. I, you know, I I same thing we talked about earlier. Just priorities, timing, and it's like, boy, you're giving up four or five days away from your family. Like I already am giving that up in different for different things and, and, organizations I'm a part of. And so it, there you've got trade-offs in anything you do, but I, I would enjoy that at some point. So
1: how has your guiding business along with just, I guess, overall pheasant hunting been impacted by the extreme drought our area is in right now?
2: You know, I look at it like if you have 50% less rain, like we did this last year, we, You know we averaged about 20, 21 inches and we had 11 inches. You're going to have about that many less birds right. So 40, 50% down. And I think that's about right. The good areas and areas where you have irrigation and some good cover, maybe not as much, but some areas probably even worse. So you, uh, everything needs water. Mm -hmm. So since you're also a local farmer, are there any techniques to use
1: to provide better forage or habitats for pheasants?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, dad's kind of, where we farm, we have a lot of sandier soils and dad has started no-till farming keeping the cover keeping the habitat um, probably in the 90s and i think that's really helped us a lot because you're i mean we're protecting our soils and um and uh also moisture profile but then we're giving a you know home for wildlife right if you've got just a field of dirt you're not going to have quite as many places to eat or hide as when you've got a bunch of milo stocks out there so that that's that's a big one looking at you know getting some like corners or in areas that aren't great dryland farming transition to crp or grass you know that's that's another one that that seems to to help so you've also said
1: you've been to some um out of state places for fishing where have you all gone for that
2: um sometimes like say if you go to the final four it's somewhere close to an ocean you know but but usually it'd be just like a on a trip like when kaylee's brother got married they got married in florida and some of the guys that they sell hunts to they then trade a fishing trip with and so out of cape canaveral so you know close over towards where uh taylor's at taylor's at yeah that pretty neat getting to that part of the country we've, we've gone once or twice on some neat some neat trips and and um, so just here and there if we go on vacation where there's some big water we try to help out there
0: yeah and then talking about farming what is your favorite part of farming in Southwest Kansas?
2: You know, I, it's hard to beat once you get you get and you have a healthy growing crop and driving four-wheeler down the pivot roads or, you know, driving around where it's, you, where it's green and, it's, you know, you feel yeah, – just seeing that production, seeing a nice-looking field, uh, I think at that point in time is always my favorite, you know, in an evening as you get close to sunset. You know, at like that time it's just like it's hard to beat that, to see that production – come that you've worked at and and you've put practices and concepts into place to to lead to that and then obviously actually harvesting a really good crop is hard to beat as well
0: yeah i was watching videos on youtube of when you were actually in politics and you never got away from farming in southwest kansas even back then
2: yeah yeah i at that point in time it was more i was going to be helping with harvest or if we would had a crunch around the farm i would help with that and so i was but, but I wouldn't have said I was full-time in it because of the fact that yeah. I was spending so much time both in session and around the state. But, but yeah, I was, I've always been involved in, in agriculture and farming, but, but not to the extent, I guess, as when I fully stepped out and, and we uh, started our own farm.
0: So where do you see farming in 20 years? I know we just had UPS bin on, and he was talking about how eventually there's going to be drones flying out of a UPS truck. Do you think do you see anything along those lines for farming
2: there's definitely things along those lines the question is where how far you know 20 years is that is that the number you know this just this last year we started um which you know we, we've had drones and kind of been like oh this is cool but is there a practical application yeah. for them and having a program that is able to do a better job at assessing okay just this these 15 acres have broadleaf issues or or you got mites but it's only at this this level and and uh you know and obviously crop consultants can do do a great job at a lot of that but like if it's like look you only need to spray these 10 acres then that's kind of harder to do with a big ground rig uh so actually pride ag uh cooperative um i uh, sit as an associate board member at the moment but they um are looking at getting one of those spray drones to be able to do more targeted applications you know i look at it seems like right now those might be better fit where you have smaller fields compared to our bigger ones but if you were able to tie the data you get from the the imagery drones with the spray drone applicators and but if you got you to feel confident that it's it's all working it's all precise and that's where technology is going is more precision more precise there's ground rigs now i think some of the newer ones of those that are actually automate automatically recognizing when they need a spray or when they don't, you know, on some of the applications. And I mean, I think they're pretty expensive, but we're seeing more of that. I think as you see it improve and the cost point come down, you'll see more of it. Uh, but precision, I mean, knowing, look, we need to put this much fertilizer here, you know, it helps you to save money and be more efficient and also raise cr- better crops. Like you have better potential, yield potential here. It's like, well, you yeah. should put a little more right here. And you know, you're seeing, We've seen a lot more of that but I'm sure that will all progress
0: as well where do you see the machinery advancing in 20 years
2: yeah I think some of as we talked about the precision type things some of that can get smaller but obviously some of it it keeps getting bigger in terms of for big fields and out here we have quite a few big fields out there um, so but but to have some of the bigger like we talked about the ground rigs that didn't have that precision component in it um, I think that stuff makes sense but uh, yeah we'll, we'll kind of see maybe Connor's got an idea what do you think Connor yeah, um, you might have to ask Craig. Yeah, Craig. Yeah, I'm Greg. not
1: near as involved in that stuff as my dad is.
2: <laughs> yeah, I get that, and I wasn't either in high school, so I'm I'm with you on that. So, our question for you today is: from gra- from
1: graduating from South Gray to going to college to uh, politics and to then to where you are now, is there anything that you would have done differently along the way?
2: You know, I guess my initial uh, reaction is. Is no because I think that um, I'm, I'm thankful for everything that happened every step along the way. You know, if I hadn't gone to Washburn, I wouldn't have met Kaylee, wouldn't have had our, you know, four kids. Everything would be kind of a different direction. But I, I do think you would, you know, I think assessing things better. Like like I said earlier, like that assessment of like I'm for sure going to play sports in college. Did I need to have that be part of my decision? No. Like was it would it have made sense to do something else? Maybe. Um, I had uh, made the decision to go into politics when I had, um, or out of high school, I was, as I was making that decision time, I I'd actually been looking at law schools and had visited Duke and Georgetown and North Carolina uh, on the East Coast again there and had a pretty strong LSAT that would have positioned me pretty well. And But I think I ultimately started really feeling the same thing as we made the decision to come back here. It's like, well, if I did wanna be in Kansas, um, which I, that's what I really was thinking then as well. It's like, I don't know that going to Duke or Georgetown, or North Carolina, I think that sets you up to, to be in DC or to be in New York or, you know, Florida. And I, I want to be back in Kansas. I like Kansas. I like the people here. And so, so I don't, I don't regret that. Sometimes you wonder, well, what would happen if we would have done that? You know, but mm-hmm. I don't regret that. I feel like there's a lot of Paths you you know as you're making big decisions, which you guys are going to be doing in the next year, um, it can be stressful, and it is impactful. But you also got to know, boy, there's probably any number of these places that if you go there, it'll work out just fine, right? If you keep working hard, keep a good attitude, keep your head up, and and just give your all in everything you do, right? That's what you know in doing a lot of things. That's kind of what I always tried my hardest in what I was doing, and and just left it all out there you know and I think that's if you do that you're gonna I think not have regrets and I and I don't so I think to answer that question no and I'm I'm thankful uh to go to Washburn for the opportunities there to met Kaylee and and uh you know all that followed
0: yeah it's pretty crazy it all it all comes rooted back to South Gray
2: oh yeah it's I mean it's a neat place a great community special place that I'm I'm so thankful I was able to grow up in um and i i hope others kind of appreciate that it is a special place and, and i have friends from around the state and other small communities different places that are all like mona and copeland south grade is different you know and and it is uh so you, we should all be appreciative of that you know in terms of that opportunity and and what you know the teachers and administrators what they're all working out for us and even if every once in a while there's little hiccups and ups and downs you know it's it's a it's a great place and great community
0: yep well i think we're going to call this a wrap for today's one and only interview as many questions that we asked i'm sure we could ask you a lot more but thank you for coming on the podcast yeah thank thank you guys very good thank you thank you guys tonight the high school is playing against southwestern heights in her homecoming matchup and then our homecoming dance starts tomorrow at 7.30. Thank you all for listening. It was a great week here at South Gray High, which is another reason why it's a great day to be a Rebel.